welcome back to our study of Hebrews, the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which has a single theme. Hebrews 11 is about heroes. Uh, Using over 30 Old Testament characters, the author of Hebrews shows how they became heroes in God's eyes. And as we discussed the last time, uh, God's purpose for this Hebrews 11 is not to honor dead Bible heroes of the past. God's purpose for Hebrews 11 is to inspire you to a, be a living hero through faith in God. So let's study uh, God's word found in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 1. Faith is confidence in what we trust and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So in these first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11, the author mentions the first two of the 30-some Bible heroes, Abel and Enoch, who, like the other heroes, exhibit this thing called faith. So what is faith? Well, it's not what we often assume. Faith is not a hopeful wish It's not a religious system. It's not even being religious by doing lots of churchy things. That is not the faith that makes you a hero in God's eyes. What is faith? Well, as I study Hebrews chapter 11, here's my definition. Faith is God-given conviction enabling me to walk with complete confidence regarding the unseen spiritual realities revealed in God's word. See, faith is this rock-solid conviction that spiritual realities revealed in scripture are not only true on an intellectual level, they are so real that I can base my whole life and bank my whole eternity on their truthfulness. So you say, what spiritual realities are you talking about? Well, there's a bunch, and so we'll be studying them for the rest of our series together. But today, let me start by just uh, emphasizing these specific spiritual realities. God exists. God loves me. God longs for a personal relationship with me in which I experience his incomparable presence every moment of my life. These spiritual realities all center around the truth that heroic faith begins with a relationship. 
a personal relationship with God based on unseen spiritual realities. Because I can't see the reality that God exists. I can't see his love for me. I can't see that he wants a personal relationship with me. So, since I can't see it, where do we get this idea? Where do we learn about these unseen spiritual realities? Only one place. They are revealed in Scripture, the incomparable Word of God. And I'm emphasizing this because it's not like the faith heroes of Hebrews 11 discovered a personal relationship with God based on their own kind of mystical discovery or uh, they're following their feelings. No, they found a personal relationship with the incomparable God by following God's incomparable word. God spoke and they listened. And the same goes for me and for you. God reveals the reality of his personal love for us in his word. From beginning to the end of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, Scripture proclaims that God loves people and that he is so passionate for a relationship with us that he came personally to die for us in the person of Jesus. Scripture reveals that the infinite God who has no beginning, who is the source of everything, this massive God loves ordinary people and desires a relationship. Now, most of the population of the planet knows this spiritual truth of God's love for people and desire for a relationship. And do you know how the vast majority of people respond to this truth? They say, that's nice that God loves me, that's just great. And this is as far as it goes for them. This is not faith. Faith is not just a yawning intellectual agreement with scripture, no. Faith is a conviction that enables me to actually walk in these unseen realities described in scripture. Faith is not just a passive acknowledgement that God loves me in a personal way. Faith is the conviction that these things are so true and so real that I commit my life to them and I arrange the priorities of my whole life to experience the reality of it. So I guess you could say that if you have this kind of faith, you see the evidence of it in your life. You, this unseen spiritual reality, if you have faith in it, you can see the reality in your own life because the conviction that God loves me and wants a personal relationship with me always leads to the same surprising reaction that identifies a person of faith. The, the surprising thing I do when I have a conviction that God loves me is that I love God back. The surprising thing that I want is that I want to please God with my life. That's the evidence of this kind of faith. People without faith do not have this desire to love God back 
or to please him with their lives. The evidence of faith is that I love God and I want to know his word so I can follow it and please God with my life because when with the eyes of faith I see his love for me, I can't help but want to love God back and follow his incomparable word, which is all what is said in those first uh, verses we read a moment ago. For without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Do you see the relational heartbeat of faith? It's not so much about doing things first and foremost. Faith is the conviction that God wants me to seek him, that God wants me to find him in a relationship, and that God wants me to follow him so that God can then reward me with his incomparable presence and the overflow of his love in the form of blessings in my life. And the writer doesn't just talk about this and this relational heartbeat of faith. His words are preceded by a fascinating example of an Old Testament hero named Enoch. And if you know much about this man, Enoch, you know we don't know much about this man, (laughs) Enoch. Uh, Enoch's life story occupies about six sentences in the first book of the Bible. Uh, But in that brief description, we learn something truly remarkable about him. In Genesis chapter five, we learn that Enoch walked with God, full of faith. Then he was no more because God took him away. And you may say, what does that mean? Well, uh, the Hebrew writer, Hebrews 11 writer said that this God took him away part means that uh, Enoch did not die physically, but went directly into God's arms. But even more interesting is the Enoch walked with God part. Walking with God is a reference to how Enoch lived in a constant experience of God's presence. It's like Enoch and God went through Life where they just kind of had a stroll and an ongoing dialogue each and every day. And I feel confident about this interpretation of what it means that Enoch walked with God because it's almost certainly a throwback to God's habit with Adam and Eve described just two chapters earlier. Uh, We're told that one reason that Eden was paradise is because God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, uh, which is poetic language that implies that they had this friendship between them until one awful day. When we learn in Genesis 3 that God showed up to stroll through the garden, but he was walking by himself. And there in the cool of the day, God calls out, Adam, where are you? And Adam and Eve had rebelled against God and are now hiding from God in the bushes. And when God called them to this relationship walk, Adam and Eve didn't show up. 
Uh, you'll notice that uh, their son, Abel, does show up. Uh, he's the first of the heroes of the faith Olympics uh, listed in Hebrews 11. But Adam and Eve don't make the list. I remember watching a uh, telecast of a Summer Olympics uh, held in Seoul, Korea many years ago. And this uh, interview, televised interview, was with an American boxer who was uh, favored to win a medal uh, the day before he was scheduled to step into the ring. And in this interview, uh, the young man went on and on about how uh, his, he owed it all to his dad to his dad who uh, got up at 4 a.m. every morning for three years to drive him to uh, the gym so that he could prepare for uh, winning a medal in Seoul, Korea. And this story was broadcast uh, via satellite to the millions of viewers all over the world. And uh, these millions of viewers were then surprised the next day of uh, his first fight and the momentous hour came, and the boxer didn't show up. And uh, he, he was repeatedly called to the ring, but he was nowhere to be found. And Olympics has these rules that allow for a certain amount of time before an absent fighter is forced to forfeit the match. And that's exactly what happened. The time expired, and uh, he lost by forfeit. And so the reporters scurried throughout the entire Olympic village uh, trying to find out what happened to this uh, boxer. And it turns out that the fighter had misread his Olympic bus schedule and missed the only bus that could take him from his dormitory to the stadium in time for the match. And he forfeit the whole thing. And you got a feel for this guy. You just got a feel for him that he had to go home with no medal and that he had to go home to a dad who had been waking up at 4 a.m. every morning to drive his son to the gym. And then his kid doesn't even, doesn't win a medal, doesn't even step into the ring. I doubt that this dad was at the airport to pick him up. Uh, as I understand it, his dad sent him a bus schedule. Uh, you can't be an Olympic hero if you don't show up. Enoch is an Olympic hero of faith because he walked with God every day. Adam and Eve are not on the hero list because they didn't show up. My question is how about you? Do you show up for your walk with God? Now, I understand there's, there's two groups listening to me right now. There's uh, one group, and uh, if you're in that group, you're saying to yourself, you know, I've never before heard this idea of a personal relationship with God. You know, it sounds crazy enough that it just might be true. If you're in that group, 
hold on, just hold on a minute, because I'd like to talk first to you if you're in the second group, which is that you are a Christ follower, and you have a relationship with God. You've had it for some time through faith in Jesus. My question for you is, being as honest as you can, are you showing up for your walk with God? If you are, then it means that uh, you wake up in the morning, and some of your first thoughts are about God and about an ongoing dialogue with him that starts right there in those early morning hours. Uh, and then you find yourself turning to God in your commute to work, asking God for some patience and kindness. And then at work, uh, you seek God and his wisdom for a, a difficult decision, or you seek God for some love in a difficult relationship. And then you take a moment uh, to listen to God through reading some scripture. And uh, when you get a moment alone, you ask God for some help in the midst of the struggles that you're facing or challenges. And you lift up a, maybe a word of gratitude for all your blessings. And maybe you take a moment and you just sing out or speak out a word of expression of love to God. Do you walk with God like this? Or, being honest now, do you find yourself getting to, into bed at the end of the day and realize you haven't thought about God all day long? Or maybe you get to the end of the week and you realize you haven't spent even a minute reading scripture or taking a, a moment to have a dialogue with God. Maybe you review your lifestyle and you realize that you know, your priorities reflect really very little love for God and very little desire to please him with your life. If this is true for you, you are not showing up in your walk with God. And this is a problem because you want to be a hero. You want to be a hero in God's eyes with your one and only life. You want to be a medal winner. You want it to count. But Hebrews 11 demonstrates that you can't. You can't without having a walk with God. The only way you can have a medal winning life is to walk with God in a moment by moment personal relationship with him. If you're not showing up, I know the rationale. I know some of the excuses you have because I've been there many times myself. I say, you know, life is crazy right now, but uh, as soon as I can get my schedule under control, I'm going to spend some time uh, with God. Can I just say from my personal experience that uh, the I'm busy rationale is really way off the mark. Why? Because the relationship that God wants with you, the walk that God wants with you, is, is not a bolt-on, not an add-on to your day. Uh, what God wants is not a time slot in your busy schedule. God wants to walk with you in the midst of your busy schedule. You know, of course, a time slot for prayer or Bible reading is beautiful. It's a great thing. It's just that God does not want to be limited to that compartmentalized slot in your life. He loves you too much. He wants to be part of every part of your life every day. So the I'm too busy rationale is not the real cause of the problem. Scripture reveals the cause of the 
not showing up for the walk problem. The cause is not a lack of time. It is a lack of faith, where faith is seeing the unseen. If I had the faith to see God's incomparable presence with me, to see the extent of this infinite God's love for me, his passion for walking with me and being involved in the details of my life, if I had the faith to see all that I'm leaving on the table when I miss this walk with God and don't show up, when I miss all the wisdom and the insight and the courage in life, when I miss all the medal-winning impact and joy by forfeiting this opportunity of walking with him, if I saw the unseen, then I would immediately respond to God's love by loving him back and inviting him into every area of my life. I would joyfully respond to his call, his call looking for where I am, and I would welcome his incomparable involvement in my life. So the cure of this no-show problem is not to look for more time, but to pray for more faith. And when I pray that prayer of God, open my eyes to the unseen spiritual realities of your love for me and desire to walk with me. God says, I thought you would never ask. This is a prayer that he always answers. Whenever I ask for more faith, for a deeper relationship with God, God always says yes, because this is the same thing he's asking from me. You know, whenever single men and uh, women get together in uh, social uh, environments and there's the possibility of dating, uh, there's always uh, couples who uh, have the talk. Um, when I was single, we used to call it the DTR, uh, define the relationship talk. Uh, define the relationship talk. That's where uh, a guy or a girl uh, gets up the courage to say, uh, you know, we've been spending a lot of time together and uh, I'm just wondering if maybe our relationship is becoming more than just a friendship. It's the DTR. It's the define the relationship talk. And I remember when Jen and I had our DTR. Uh, we were having a great conversation as we were on a walk uh, one evening uh, in the neighborhood around where she lived and uh, after this uh, conversation, I took the deep breath and uh, I told her how much I loved being with her. I told her about uh, how much I admired and respected her and I, how much I wanted to be more than just friends and how I wondered if uh, she was interested in maybe taking our relationship to the next level. And all the angels were on the edge of their seats for... <laughs> Her response in that holy moment, uh, she replied by saying, oh, oh, and that was it, that was it, total silence that went on for so long that I just had to change the subject, and uh, we moved on. And to this day, uh, Jen re uh, maintains that when she said, oh, that she was thinking about her answer. 
To which I say that, yeah, but after a couple of minutes, oh, <laughs> kind of becomes the answer. And uh, now, in fairness to Jen, the re reason that uh, she had such a hard time answering the question uh, was because at the time, she was dating somebody else. <laughs> which was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, which was a real obstacle. <laughs> Until his mysterious death, which I, no. It's time for a DTR. God wants a DTR with you. He wants to define the relationship. Uh, of course, this has nothing to do with romance. God's love is much deeper than that, and don't worry. God's not coming at you uh, to shame you, make you feel guilty for not showing up. No, he comes with the opposite. He comes with this love. And God initiates the DTR by saying, I want you to know how much I love spending time with you. I want you to know I love you. And I want to be involved in every area of your life every day. And I'm wondering if you're interested in taking our relationship to the next level. Will you? Will you ask God for more faith, for more ability to see these unseen spiritual realities? Will you ask God for this faith to take your relationship with him to the next level? Will you ask him for the kind of faith walk that opens your eyes to a new world of medal-winning joy and impact and spiritual adventure that makes you a hero in God's eyes? Now, earlier, I mentioned that I wanted to also talk to another group, which is to those of you who are listening to me right now and saying, you know, this sounds great, a personal relationship with God, but I have no idea where this even starts. Now, to give you an idea, I'd like to introduce you to Seth Robard. Seth is very new to this idea of a personal relationship with God. Even though he's been here at BlackRock for less than a year already, Seth knows the answer to where all this, this personal relationship begins. It begins with Jesus. I was born in a Jewish family. I grew up with actually just my mother and myself. Uh, my father had passed away when I was, uh, oh, I'd say about two weeks before I was two years old. I've never considered myself being very religious when I was Jewish. Um, I, I had a bar mitzvah and I went through the motions. Personally, I didn't really fully understand Judaism and, and, and kind of I didn't feel that connection. And especially I didn't, I didn't feel a connection to God. I had a very close family member of mine pass away in April and he was the most religious Jew in our family. And one night, 25 years ago, he found Jesus and he realized that you know, he, he's a Christian and, and Jesus is real and, you know, he was the, the savior. And I went to visit him two weeks before he passed and we knew he was gonna pass and he just got brain cancer that took over everything. 
and he looked at me and, and he knew what was going on. He knew that it was his time and, and he was okay with it. And to me that was, that was mind-blowing to me that someone could be facing death, you know, knocking on death's door and, and be okay with it. And it was all because of his faith and his relationship with God. I noticed that I was one of the most sad people at the funeral. He had three daughters and a wife and I was probably more sad than they were uh, because I didn't have the faith that they did and they, they knew where he was at that point. We have two young children. We've got a five-year-old now and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And we knew that we really wanted to give them some core beliefs and a faith. We just didn't know what we wanted to give them. And me coming from a Jewish background and my wife coming from a Catholic background, we knew we had to find something that really worked for both of us. We had talked to some people we knew, and we have a neighbor actually here at Black Rock, and they said, you know, you should really come to Black Rock and just check it out. I think you might be surprised, and I think you might like it. We did, we checked it out, and uh, we both fell in love. We thought it was a great place. I came from a place over the last 15 years of really not knowing much, so to come right in and, you know, talk constantly about Jesus and who he was and his role on this earth it was very new to me and, and a little difficult to understand. My son has actually really taken to it pretty quickly, and it's very cool to see. He, uh, he's very inquisitive about God and about Jesus and you know we'll leave uh, Sunday school and he'll show us what he did and, and he'll just blurt out something that he learned and he doesn't even do that with his regular school so it's, it's pretty cool that he, you can tell he certainly has some sort of connection here and, and something's going on in his mind to, to make him think about it and you know halfway through the week he'll, uh, he'll just ask us you know is it Sunday yet can I go can we go to church is it Sunday yet and, uh, and we haven't experienced that with him yet with, with much, so it's really nice to see and to see that connection. My wife uh, is in uh, Moms of the Rock, which is great. She's enjoyed that, and I've started Dads of the Rock. I attended Men's Weekend. Uh, for me, it was great. It was life-changing. It, uh, it was something I really needed, and that was really a little more towards the early part of uh, our experience here at Black Rock, so it was, it was great to be at Men's Weekend and, and meet people that uh, I want to surround myself with and, and learn from everybody. I've certainly been closer to God more than ever in my life since coming to Black Rock and, and I know for sure that He is in my life and it's kind of nice because that's really the first time in my life I can say that God is present in my life and God is real. Surrounding myself with the right people now and, and you know I, I want to surround myself with people that are, that are God-like and that have a good faith and, and belief in their life and especially you know that people that we're going to bring into our lives to be a part of our children's lives it's important to us a lot to learn a lot to study um, but yeah I, I want to do it the right way and, and I do want to uh, become a lot closer to God and it is you know it is exciting to me absolutely he helps us to see the unseen that there is a, a call that's coming from God to every person uh, listening to me right now it's a call saying, let's take our relationship to the next level. And if you've not even started this relationship, then it starts with putting your faith in Jesus as your only way to enter into a relationship with God. It's not earning your way to a relationship with God. It's accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you and in receiving that gift of his forgiveness. Would you please stand now, and uh, I'd like to challenge you as we leave uh, to make this, uh, this last few moments a holy DTR, where you get an opportunity to define the relationship uh, with Jesus. So just in a moment, uh, no matter where you are in your relationship, I challenge you to just in a quiet moment, uh, just a few seconds, 
respond to Jesus and his invitation to the walk with him uh, that is medal winning. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.